Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Gary O, and my guest this week was the director, or is the director, of the new movie that I have out, along with Michael Jai White, on Netflix called Welcome to Sudden Death. It came out two days ago, so if you haven't seen it, I don't know what the fuck you're waiting on. But this guy that helped hire me for the job, Dallas Jackson. I did hire you. Yeah. I, I had Mike on last week, and I told him, I go, dude, uh, when my, I don't, do you know how I got the part? I do. What's your version? What's your version? I'll tell you how I feel like I got the part. Well, we made offers to several people and nobody wanted the part. For I, real? Yeah. And I said, I know this guy is hungry. I know he wants to work and I know he'll kill it for us. No, I, the real version is we made an offer to Fat Joe. Okay. Wanted to, the one I, I don't know. Somebody said Fat Joe is funny and um, and she's got to have it. The TV show. Mm -hmm. He's acting now. We wanted somebody kind of jolly, quote unquote. And that does not go. And believe me, I love Fat Joe, but jolly seems happy go lucky. <laughs> yeah, sure. And Cedric is jolly. Yeah, not the Cedric fat, but Cedric's a jolly guy. Well, Cedric's trimmed down over the years. He used right. to be jollier. Right, but right? that's when you say jolly, I would think Cedric. Yeah, but we couldn't afford Cedric. Oh, right. Okay, thanks. So we go on. So, but also, <laughs> there's a certain cool factor with Fat Joe. I thought that could be fun. Now you say cool, I see Fat Joe. Yeah, like a, like a cool, jolly guy. Anyway, I got I actually got on the phone with Fat Joe, and he was talking to me for like 20 minutes, like, "Yo, son, yo, man, I really want to get my acting on, and yo, this is." Yo, it's, this, this script is perfect for me. And we're going on and on. And he goes, yeah, but I'm going to do this tour. I got this hot single I'm about to drop. I can't do your movie. I'm like, you could have told me that like 20, 20 minutes, minutes ago. ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, you know, it was Fat Joe. I wasn't going to cut him off. But, you know, I thought that for sure he was in. So he was not in. And so we're, I'm talking to the execs at Universal about, you know, who could possibly do this role. And I, in some weird way, I don't know if I had just seen you in something or, or, or if something, but I, I said, Gary Owen could kill this. And I didn't even say Gary Owens. I said, Thank Gary you. Owen Appreciate that. could kill this. And so I called Michael. I said, Mike, because I wanted to, since you were going to be, you know, kind of the sidekick to Michael Jai, mm -hmm. uh, I, I wanted to run it by him first. And I said, you know what? Who would be dope is I think Gary would do this. And he said, oh, man, me and him, we have this really great chemistry. And he just did this uh, Undercover Brother cameo and Undercover Brother 2. And oh, I no, like, I was in it. I didn't do no cameo. Why? No, we had one We had one day on set. See, I just got defensive. Oh, fuck, I ain't got no cameo. I mean. No, <laughs> <laughs> no we had, me and Mike only had one day of shooting together. So I Copy can see that. how it well, so in his mind, it was cameo-ish, yeah, right? right? <laughs> but what we talked about on that call, which is two things. One was we, we, we were both like fans of yours. We thought you were a funny guy and like super talented, obviously. But you've never had the white sidekick. It's always the brother who's the sidekick, yeah. right? And you never had the white sidekick who was funny, right? Mm -hmm. So to have like the... Like to, do the rush hour thing with you and Michael Jai White, except for Michael Jai is the martial artist, serious guy, or usually that's reserved for the brother as the comedic sidekick. Mm -hmm. And then you'd have like a Mel Gibson who would like kick somebody's ass and the black guy would be like, I'm too old for this shit. Yeah. But we were like, let's flip that. And so that was the, the beginning of it. And so I ran it by Universal, our exec, and they had to talk to a bunch of motherfuckers. It's like, to sign off on it, but they did. And so we decided to make you an offer. But I still wasn't sure. Now, here's in my mind, I'm thinking, I didn't know if you would do it. I, I thought you might be too busy or yeah. you, know, you, you might be having a movie coming out that you were starring in or whatever. And turns out you did have something that was offered to you in the mix, but you did the movie, which I appreciated and you killed it. And uh, and that's my version of of how you got it. Oh, oh and, and you and I talked a few times. Yeah, well, that was after Mike Mike DM me. He didn't have my cell. Okay. 
Okay. He sent me a DM. On Instagram or Facebook? Instagram. Okay. And, you know, I'm in Spokane, Washington, and I'm doing a meet and greet, and I, you know, I'm done, and so you're in the green room, you're just kind of scrolling through your phone, and I was like, what is this? You know, blue check bar catches your eye. Right. So I was like, Michael J. White, and then uh, he's, yo, here's my number, call me. I got this movie I'm doing, uh, no promises, but I want to see if you're interested. So I gave him a call. He basically told me what you told me. He said, yo, there's there's a couple offers out. They're thinking about giving this part. He goes, but I really want you to be my sidekick in the movie because I think you could bring some element that they're not seeing. He goes, but I see it. And then so I called him. Then I got in touch with you. And I don't know if you caught it, but I was very conscious once I was going to say yes. Now, when you talk about finances, yeah, I could probably, I could probably make more money on the road, just being the standup, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. I was like, standup's not going anywhere. The movie is this five weeks, right. you know, so I could always right. go back and do standup. Right. But I was very conscious in this movie not to do one racial joke. I thought that mm. was easy. Mm-hmm. I was like, because there's too many times like, oh, black guy does this, white guy does this. I go, okay. If in the movie, Michael is this security guard, I'm a janitor, and I'm working at a basketball arena, I've been around, in my mind, I was like, I've been around black guys my whole life. The other mm-hmm. janitor guys are, are black. The basketball players are black. I go, this guy is not worried about race at all. He's been a janitor for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought people might expect that. So I tried to give him something like, I don't know if you caught it. I didn't mention race one time. Like, Nah, and you know what? I, I feel like um, it wasn't necessary per se. But there's always like there, the moment like you could do a, cut, a quick joke yeah. that might get a laugh. But I was like, nah. Because there are a couple of times when we were doing like take three. I was like, ooh, nah. My natural instinct is to go there, yeah. I think. Yeah, I but mean, like, uh, it's funny you say that. I mean, I I, I felt like... There was room for you to do whatever you wanted to do in your realm of comedy and still bring it home to this guy who is a family man and has kids of his own in the movie and and in, in of course in real life. But like the 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 kind of common denominator between these two characters are are they both have kids, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh yours are off camera, his are on camera. Um and so the the instinct for you to finally help him is that you're a dad. He's a dad. He's trying to get his daughter back. Mm-hmm. So there's this, this this common thing, uh, and you're the only one that can kind of help him navigate in this arena because you've been working there for so long. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically a Thomas guide. You're you're a human Thomas GPS. Guide. Yeah, you're the Green Book. <laughs> stop here. You can't stop yeah. here. You might don't go your, this way. Yeah, don't go this way. <laughs> but I, I will say that uh, you you did a great job. It was a lot of fun. But there were times where you even went places where I was like, damn, he, he, you know, he, Gary's really funny. I didn't know he was that funny. He's really, <laughs> really funny. Um, and in edit, the executives of Universal will be like, mm, maybe we should pull that back a little bit. I'm like, why? Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a rated R movie. I know. You don't pull shit back in rated yeah, R. I know. You know, and I'm, I'm like, what's the problem? But... <laughs> Uh, but we kept all the good stuff. But there was there was funny stuff that I I, I I'm gonna figure out a way for us to unleash either like some you know the the, the blooper reel or something because it was yeah. there were some gems that you were throwing out you know and and some of the stuff a lot of it was improv because I would just say do the lines and then do your thing after or yeah, put yeah, it yeah. on there and you know we had extras and stuff in there and they would be like. Or they'd laugh, or they weren't expecting it. And that, when we had people laughing that didn't know what you were going to say that were actually part of the movie, then I was like, oh, we got something good. Because well, we, got, we, got, we, got, we got extras laughing, and then we ain't, yeah. paying, we ain't paying them to laugh. Well, that's the thing, being a stand-up, you're so used to the um, immediate response. Mm-hmm. And then when you're shooting a film, whether it's TV or movie, you're kind of like looking at the grips and the camera guys to see if they're putting their head down or holding something in. Right. Or there's nothing better when the director goes, uh, cut, and everybody just busts up after you say cut. And we had a, we had more than a few of those. Yeah. And we also had times where, uh, you know, it was inappropriate, some of the things you said. Really? Yeah. But it was fine. It was funny. I don't remember that uh, at all. Because you know what I think with you, you kind of just black out into this comedy zone and just, <laughs> That's true. just spit stuff. 
and then you don't know what it is if it's magic or not, and it and, and it is magic, and then sometimes it'll be like, what the fuck did he say? But um, those are usually the things where you go, cut, we got something. Well, Michael Ely, I had him on the podcast a couple months ago, and I was asking him like, I get the, mistakes for him all the time. Do you? Yeah, green really. Eye, with the eyes. since COVID, with mask on, green eyes, everything. They're like <laughs> with the mask on, just like and sunglasses that guy. and a hat. Yeah. Well, I had him a couple months ago, and we was talking about a- actors and comedians, and he says, "I," he's basically like, "I have to mentally pr- get prepared when I work with standups." He goes, "Because actors, they act. They look at the lines and they bring them to life." He goes, "Comedians, you guys are more fearless because mm-hmm. you'll go there, whether it's inappropriate or not." You're just like, fuck it, I'm going to try it. And I was like, oh, I never thought of that. He goes, so the, Mike, the problem is sometimes you get on the set with a comedian, you don't know where they're going with this scene. You're like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, you're supposed to say, come over here. Right. <laughs> you didn't say that. You got to give them something to come back to earth with. Ground, and I have yeah. a problem with that. I'll be first to admit. When I get on set sometimes and get in a scene, I go, oh, yeah, I, I didn't give you a chance to get back in the scene because I'm just, you know, I'm on speed here. <laughs> well, and two, you know, like... I, there, there was a part where you dropped some, some inside uh, knowledge about your life when you were talking about your brother Dallas. Mm-hmm. I thought you were talking about me. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. He's talking about the director. He, mm-hmm. he weaved me in there. Yeah. But you were talking about your own brother. Um, so in, in some instance of, of we were talking about fathers and you wish you knew your father and your brother was a good father, whatever, what, whatever it was, you mm-hmm. weaved in some real life. Um, and I thought that was cool because that's actually what comedians do, right? They weave in something personal and make it funny. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we had we had a good time, man. I, I really I'm really excited for people to see it, and I think it's a great time right now. I mean, despite what's happening in the world, like for us, we did something fun. I think we're giving the world something fun, and mm-hmm. and you know, I, I almost think of it like we did kind of like a rush hour, lethal weapon kind of diehard mashup. Oh, that's what I thought when I when I read it. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is this is a." Uh... It's funny because when I first signed on, it was promoted as just the Michael J. White action movie. Mm-hmm. Then once I got on it, and this is the I don't know the vainness of me. All of a sudden, it was like I heard some people that did screenings like it's a buddy comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I- well. Whatever I must have did work, the fact that somebody would watch it and then review it as a buddy comedy. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know how Michael feels about that, but <laughs> it it actually turned out, I think, well, the chemistry between you two really worked, and some of my favorite times are while we were shooting was the stuff you guys uh, did together. And, and just for me, it was just fun to see you guys together you know like like i said that dynamic of the serious martial artist and the fun kind of janitor sidekick but what i noticed happening when you and michael were together is you would make him laugh and 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 kind of made him loosen up a little bit because he's pretty intense sometimes in terms of like when he's doing his action stuff and you know, he can get dramatic as far as an actor. He can go there. But I think what you were doing was kind of bleeding off on him a little bit and making the movie tonally a little more fun. Well, what's cool about Mike And we didn't have to pay you extra for that. Didn't have to pay me nothing. Yeah. Even the writers, they're going to look like geniuses. Well, thank you, because I wrote it. Yeah. See? There you go. Yeah. I made you look better than you are. <laughs> I, no. pre- I appreciate that. <laughs> no, what I like about working with Mike was, I said, it's... It's also you get to know somebody on a personal level and how he was brought up and everything. But we would sit in the makeup trailer the morning we would have maybe a four-page scene together. Mm-hmm. And we would just like read, you know, read so we were ready when we got the set. It's one thing to read in your hotel room by yourself, but until you do it on your feet, that's mm-hmm. another ball game. But we would go over it and then I'd be like, yo, well, what if I try this? Or he'd come in mm-hmm. and he knew this, the movie so well inside and out. He goes, hey, this scene's leading into this. Why don't you say this so that'll lead to the next scene? Mm-hmm. And I was always like, "Yeah, I'll take any direction you can give me." Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean? but he gave me jokes and everything. But just his—he was so giving. On like, you know, it's one thing to be like, um, "Hey, you want to read lines?" But he was really like, I could ask him ten times and he'd read with me before a scene. That way, when you when the cameras are ready to go, 
there's nothing you can say that can throw us. Like we knew it. Yeah, and and mm. and the more you guys we, the more we shot, the more in tune you guys got, and it was interesting. Like I I would love to see another movie with you guys. Like I felt like you were building something, you know, that could be a Gary Michael franchise, like like Cosby and Poitier did, where they did a few movies together. Yeah. Um, I you know the interesting thing with Mike is is that. You know, he's a real martial artist. Like, no. you know, like Dude. for real, for real. Uh, we know now. I mean, we've known, but like working with him is like, you know, it takes it up a notch because he's the real deal. Um, and much like a comedian will freestyle and kind of use their talent in the scene and, and, and elevate it, he uses his real martial arts and his real intensity for action like, you know, we didn't have stunt doubles on Mike. We did, but, like, we kind of really... Yeah, that we, was just because he we, was resting for a minute. Yeah. We used Jasper to crash through a window because Mike was like, eh, I ain't going to do that. But yeah. then, but all the fight stuff, all that stuff is Mike. Um, and going in, I didn't really realize that, you know. Like, it. so to your credit, you know, you were, you know, you it was Fat Joe, right? Uh, and then we, and then it was you. So originally they were going to offer this to Ludacris uh, because he's been to be Michael J. White's part, right? Right. Nothing against Ludacris, no. But it, some of the fight shit that Mike does in that movie, yeah, yeah. It just, it's just so. And that was that was the studio going. You know, what about Luda? And and I was like, ah, yeah. I, I mean, I wrote it. I got a chance, the opportunity for them to direct it. So you have to kind of listen to the studio and say, you know. Yeah, and I and I, Luda's done some fight stuff, and I looked and was like, "Yeah, he could, he could, he could do this," but like what Mike does, and no disrespect to anybody, like Mike's just been doing it for thirty years, so he brings that to the movie, and it you can see like this guy is like the super real yeah. deal, like he is our Jackie Chan. Well, he also like when you're on set. You see him walk, whatever. First day I, I shot with him, I was talking about last week, was when he killed the guy in the weight room. Uh -huh. And when I saw him just walk, walk on set before we were shooting, the cameras were setting up, and he was just processing the entire room and how that scene, no matter how it was written, he goes, okay, this is, he, I'm gonna make this as realistic as possible and how this could work. And when I saw him just like moving by himself, like, okay, if I come over here, that guy, it's impossible for him to come over here. I was like, how is he figuring this shit out? Yeah, he's Ooh. like Rain Man with Kung Fu. Oh, my God. And I told him, I said, the good thing was everybody was so collaborative. Right. Granted, you wrote it, you directed it, but you also were smart enough to know, like, this is what he does. Mm -hmm. He's going to make the scene as realistic as possible. Mm -hmm. And even, like I told him, I said, he was telling me jokes, and mm -hmm. I, was, I would try it. He goes, hey, mm -hmm. what if you tried this? All right. Mm -hmm. I go, the whole movie was just a big collaborative process. There was no egos like, nah, I'm the director. I wrote it. These are the lines. Mm -hmm. It was no like, I'm a comedian. Be like, you ain't going to tell me something that's funny. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm going to try well, it. one time I was like, you're going to say this shit like this. But I, I, that was in my mind. I didn't really say it. Yeah, I know. Because yeah. I was like, uh, <laughs> I was thinking, hmm, I must have been getting per diem that day. <laughs> And I was in a good mood. <laughs> no, I, you know what? I wanted to let everybody do what they do, and I believe in that. Like, if you're making a movie and you're hiring people, like I read this story about James Cameron, like when he shoots, like he'll just go pick up the cameraman's camera and be like, oh, I'm going to shoot this. You know, like he's just that guy. He'll come over to the makeup thing about, I'm going to put this makeup on, right? Like, and I've heard about directors like that, but I, I feel like if you trust people to do what they do because they're really good at it, then you should let them do what they do. And, and, and in fact, you'll get a better response from them because you're trusting them creatively to bring something to the table. So Michael Jai's coming with ideas. He's coming with his years of expertise. You're coming with ideas. You're coming in with your years of expertise and also you're just natural comedic abilities that are all over the top. And then, you know, me, I give a structure of this is the script. Yeah, I wrote it, but we can change whatever. We could do whatever as long as Universal's not saying this is more money to the budget, whatever. So I just feel like even down to the grips, you, know, you let people do their job and they'll they'll 
they'll perform for you even better than, than you expected because you're giving them the opportunity to contribute to this movie. And you guys mm -hmm. contributed a lot. It, I think it, the, the movie came out even better than we expected, which mm -hmm. is hard to, you know, in your mind, you, you have one vision of what the movie should be. And somehow, you know, you never reach that pinnacle. And at least I know for a lot of filmmakers, they, you know, they're never happy with the final product. But I was really happy with this because it, it exceeded, I think, what we started out to do. Now, how long was this? How long ago did you write this movie? It all happened pretty quick, man. Like I, so this is a little bit of a story, but it's fun. So I got hired to rewrite, a, to write a remake of this movie, The Last Dragon, for mm -hmm. you know, Timac and yeah, Show Enough, Show Enough, and Kiss My Converse and all that uh, for Sony. And my idea for reimagining it was kind of paying homage to the first one, and but but still making it. Um, relevant and brand new anyway that script we had gotten to the, the the studio loved that script they brought on a director uh charles stone who did drumline and paid in full and they were going to make that movie and studio regime change happened at sony which you know studio regime change happens and new president comes mm -hmm. in and you know they don't want to do what was already there anyway that script started to make rounds and one of the places it landed was blumhouse Blumhouse read that script, had me come in. They were like, hey, this is really good. Do you have anything in like the urban horror realm? And I was like, yeah, I have this thing I've been sitting on for a while, which is basically like my scream with black and brown kids. And uh, that movie was called Thriller. Mm -hmm. They let me direct it. I wrote it. Is that on Netflix right now? It's on Netflix yeah. right now. Go check it out. Shameless plug. Universal got the Last Dragon script, and they read it. And they said, you know, we're thinking about rebooting Sudden Death. Would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, that was a movie where Van Damme was beating up the mascot, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we, you know, um, but we want to do something with it. So I, I rewatched the movie and I said, yeah, I'd love to do it, but I'd want to do it with like a brother, you know, like put a black man in this kind of diehard situation mm -hmm. and they don't know that he's a badass. And they're like, that's, that sounds fun. So they hired me to write it. Um, and started developing this idea of what this movie would be and 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 really just paying homage to like my favorite movies, Die Hard and uh, Lethal Weapon and all these things from the 80s. But I didn't think they were going to, you know, I didn't know it was going to get made. You know, they just pay you money for these things and you go do your work. Mm -hmm. um, Thriller came out, the Blumhouse movie, um, and premiered at the LA Film Festival, got a great response. Some of the Universal execs that were that had hired me to uh, write the Sudden Death remake were there. They saw the the audience response to Thriller um, on Netflix now, and uh, and they said, well, "Do you want to direct Sudden Death?" And I was like, "Sure, the, yeah, I wrote it. Why why not?" Yeah. Um, so that was all within like a year. Was this like 2018? This is 2018. Okay. So the movie came out, uh, the, the L.A. Film Festival was 2018. Um, the movie premiered on Netflix in uh, April of 2019. And I was location scouting in Winnipeg where we shot uh, that April when, when um, Thriller came out. So before the movie came out, I had gotten the job to direct right. Sudden Death. Shout out to the city of, Winni city of Winnipeg. I love Winnipeg. Isn't it weird? I want to go back to Winnipeg. I always say whenever you do a film and you're there for over an extended period of time, when you leave, you leave a small piece of yourself in every city. I noticed that every movie I've done, I was like, oh. And when you go back, it's a little empty because your, your circle's gone. Right, the people so, that you were there with. Yeah. yeah. So you, if yeah. I ever went back to Winnipeg, I'd be like, I probably feel a little empty. Because I wouldn't be seeing people I was hanging out with. Because Mike yeah. was talking about how funny it was because I was there by myself. And then his wife came in. And I became the third wheel. I was like the friend. Because <laughs> they go, hey, we're going out to eat. I go, great. I'm, the, I'm not eating by myself tonight. Yeah, where are we going? I had, there was one coffee shop. God dang it. I wish I could. I don't know if you guys can look it up. It's called like Cock and Bull. Yeah, I think or that's. Or something like that. It's something with a cock in it. That sounded awful. 
is something with a cock in it. Yeah, cock and bull. They had the best oat milk lattes. I ain't had oat milk lattes better than that. You would come to set and say that, and I'd be like, "Really? They were that that good?" And you yeah. you were like, "Yeah, you got to go get one." I was like, "I don't." Yeah, drink. it's Yo, a it's cock funny. and bull. <laughs> it's funny. I don't drink coffee until quarantine happened, and I start now. I drink coffee, so I would have. I wish I could go get one, but I well, didn't drink coffee. The, uh, the other thing I got hooked on to on set was bubbly. Yeah, the, the drink. Yes. You I told don't, me they were black owned. Is that true? Is it? I heard. So I had a. I had it. Somebody goes, "Those are black owned." Yeah, because so I, I went home telling my wife, "We got to get bubbly." Oh, we're really? drinking all this other people's sparkling water. We need to get the black owned. Yeah, sparkling that's water. what I heard. I don't, that's I, what Gary Owens told me. Well, I don't know, man. But somebody told me that. I said it. I just said Gary. Yeah, I'll, I'll let that slide. But I don't know. Somebody told me that when I, I think I posted on like social media, and somebody goes, "Appreciate supporting a black owned business." I go, "Oh, oh, no problem." Because I, I was gonna do. The That's same why thing. I'm drinking it. Yeah, I was gonna do the same thing. I was like, "Let me post. Let me, you know, let me buy this and support it." Yeah, I mean, I look. I was in Winnipeg a lot longer than me. Yeah, I was there in April, location scouting, or a little bit like into March, into April. It was like nine degrees. There were people wearing shorts. Like, it's springtime. I was like, well, this is crazy. But we shot at the perfect time because we shot in August. We shot in August. So I came back in July. I was there since July. And it was summertime. It was like regular summertime. Mm. And then, yeah, stayed until after we wrapped, which is the first week of September. Mm. And when we left, it snowed a foot and a half that week. After we left, so after we wrapped, so we, we left at the wow. right time. Like it broke trees and shit. It snowed that much. Yeah. So you knew it gets cold there because they had so many underground walkways. Right. In Winnipeg. Like there was like, you got the sidewalk in the city. There was a complete city underneath the city. Right. And I go, what is this for? And then the people tell me, they go, dude, it's winter like seven, eight months out of the year here. Yeah. This is one of the few times you're not hit. And I go, really? They had this place called The Forks where you go eat like all these different yeah. uh, little restaurants and stuff. And they're like, yeah, this is like the perfect time for The Forks because in the wintertime, nobody, you know, nobody. Cock and Bull was at The Forks, dude. Yeah, okay. So you It was know. a little coffee How stand. How did I miss that? It was right at the end, and it and it wasn't its own building. It was almost like the mall kiosk. Okay. It sat at the end. It wasn't big. You could miss it. But I just went there. I go, you guys got oat milk lattes? And they, I just got hit the oat milk like the month before I left. And he's like, yeah. So that was like my go-to every morning. The driver, he got hip. He'd have it ready for me when he picked me up before he got to the before he picked me up from the hotel. He'd have it right there. Right oh, they, on me. that was they, they they got familiar with you. Yeah. Like, oh, this was. And he likes a little sprinkle of this. Yep. The bubbly. They knew. I was like, I never had bubbly before. I was like, I don't, I don't want soda, but I'd like a little bubble. Yeah. We got bubbly. Well, you 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 made me think that brothers had that. I hope it I, is I black think, owned. Is it a black owned business? It's not? Damn, son. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like a, this, but guy with black hair owns it. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> keep pretending it's black owned because I, I I went home and told everybody. Yeah, <laughs> you better stop drinking that shit and get some bubbly in your life. Well, what's black crazy? Owned. Bubbly wasn't out that much. I thought it was a Canadian drink because the cans had the Canadian flag on. I it. I never saw it until we were on set. As soon as we get back, I see it in the last year. It's everywhere. Huge commercials, campaign ads, and then I see it in every grocery store. I go, I never saw that shit. Until I got the Winnipeg. Maybe 50 owns it and he was did the vitamin water deal with it. I don't know. But you did tell me it was black owned, so I'm going to put that on you. Because you were like, yeah, you, you don't know shit. This is black owned. You need to get you some. I was like, oh, okay. Sorry about that. I think I bought it from a black owned grocery store. In Winnipeg, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, and that's not, another thing that threw me. I'm not falling for the for that shit anymore. But This anyway. is what threw me about Winnipeg. One day we was, we, 90% of the movie is in the, the basketball arena. But one day we were... I was driving on location somewhere and we drove through what I, it looked like a United States ghetto mm -hmm. where there was a boys and girls club. There was a liquor store. There was a church's chicken. There were homeless people walking mm -hmm. around. There were drug addicts walking around. Mm -hmm. It looked like a lower income inner city ghetto, mm -hmm. but it was all. Yeah. Natives. Like, Na yeah. You yeah. can't say native Americans, natives, natives. But I was, I, I started asking around. I go, yo, what's going on here? It literally looked like a, a, all, you know, alternative universe. He was yeah. in. They was like, no, the the black people in Winnipeg. There's not a lot, but they're doing okay. Mm -hmm. It's the natives that are the you know the poor, 
Uh, well, don't have a lot of resources. Yeah, the na- what I discovered is that the natives, because the, the, the part with Winnipeg we were in is called Manitoba, that is their original land. That is their homeland. And uh, just like they do, it was colonized. And when you say they. They, meaning <laughs> white people. The people that own Bubbly? Yeah, they, the Bubbly, yeah, let's say that. <laughs> Uh, they colonized it and pushed all these people that, that were, had been there into fringes of the city and over the years have literally marginalized them um, as, the, as the, 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 the people that they just don't give a shit about. And what's unfortunate is, is that this is their community, that, that's their land, and they're being treated like they're outsiders, you know, much like the conditions of of black and brown people here in this country. Um, what was cool, I think, in, in our production is we were able to hire um, some folks that were natives of the land uh, of, of Manitoba, and they were telling us, man, like, this That's is, who told me. Yeah, this shit yeah. is fucked up here. Yeah. Um, and we get treated like, they, they're like, we identify with the blacks and browns of America because this is that's how they treat us here. Like, literally, I was driving down the street, because, uh, you know, they gave us rental cars. And I saw, like, four or five cop cars on this corner. They had some people hemmed up against the wall, and a cat was on the hood, and they were all getting arrested, and they were all natives. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, damn, that's like the brothers. Like, Yeah, well, it's a class thing. It's a class issue in, in this country, too. As much as it is race, it's also it's, class. It has yeah, a lot to it's, do with it. It's, uh, you know, the mayor of Winnipeg came down to do a press conference at are set mm-hmm. and i didn't know this turns out he's like a trump supporter like literally and his whole thing is to like to the people of winnipeg and whatever to like we don't you know we we're trying to handle this problem of natives and not to get too deep on this but like that is it's like an alternative universe as you said but like it's also just a universal problem of just racial injustice that not only happens there but it happens in Canada too except for they they treat their natives like that which is unfortunate well the the one thing that was i love the city but the one thing that was most disturbing was you would drive and you'd see bridges or murals and it'd be all these like <clears throat> young girls heads that were painted right mm-hmm. and it's like they were all missing mm-hmm. and what i realized is they said when when there's crimes committed against let's say the kids of natives they don't report it to the police they just mm. kind of handle it mm. so it's like oh they handle it the natives handle it oh so they're like they're not going mm-hmm. to the police when a girl ends up missing or a girl gets raped or things like that they're they like, handle nah, it. we'll handle it mm. so there was all these picture i don't know if you saw but certain parts of the city you drive by and there'd be the there'd be like five six girls heads painted mm-hmm. and that's when i asked i go what's that all about mm-hmm. and they go those are missing missing girls that they're not calling the cops they're just mm. kind of handling it in-house now granted that's the information i got i also told you bubbly was black owned so i don't want yeah. people listening to this going you all wrong who gave you that information that's what i was told could have been the same person who told me Bubbly was black owned. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna let you roll with your, your news. That's what I was told. Uh, but I, I look, fantastic city in terms of the people, and they gave us a great experience, uh, film wise. And, you know, I think the one thing that I realized in Canada was that they are super nice. They, I didn't really feel the racial thing in terms of black and white um there there's so many different races of people there it's yeah. interesting it's very multicultural and i kind of appreciated that I, but i did notice the treatment of 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 the natives of manitoba there um and i know they're trying to work through that but like the, the experience itself of winnipeg was great you know they bent over backwards to like help us make sure our movie was tight they gave us a whole arena like yeah, that whole, we had a whole a, a sports arena to shoot in yeah. for 30 days. Like, how about we, we couldn't how, have done that here in the on. States? It'd have been like $40 million. How about, I don't know if you know this, 
how about my first day on set? And I, I know I didn't want to go to you or anything. I'm like, I just get here. Now I got to complain. They had me sharing a dressing room with Michael's son. The, the Was he a 10-year-old kid? Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't go to you with it. I'm literally calling my manager and UTA going, uh, they got me sharing a dressing room with So where was he? Like on dad. one side? They put up a They curtain? put us in like a locker room, right? And they put up a black oh. curtain. Okay. And I was like, but you're still, I have to change. He has to change. Right. So That ain't right. At all. Right. So I'm like, what's going on here? And they, they moved the guy. The guy, I don't know if you remember, there was a guy who was kind of heavyset. He was, I thought he was a little slower than the most. But he was like, he showed me, he goes, okay, Gary, this is uh, this is your dressing room. I went, there's somebody in here. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, dude, I, I'm i not sharing a dressing room with somebody, especially not a kid and his dad. or was right. his uncle or dad with them. Right. He goes, that's above my pay grade. And he walked away. <laughs> I went, oh, shit. Uh, now what do I do? I got to so call I'm on somebody. The, I'm calling UT. That's why you hire them. So I said, they got me sharing. So then they came an hour later, and one person, I'm not going to call them out, was not happy that I asked to get switched. So mm. I came in prima donna, I guess. Right. My manager put it best. She goes, by the way, because I think the kid's dad or uncle felt some kind of way the first couple of days on set, because I was like, I need to move. Right. You know? Here's the thing. You don't want a grown man changing in front of a kid. And no. when you're in between scenes, that's when you decompress. I might want to sit in my underwear yeah. in my dressing room. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's the kind of movie I was making. So I, yeah. I don't know. What, <laughs> so what, what? <laughs> they moved me, but my, my manager said it best. She goes, by the way, who I, it was that guy, he that guy that said above my pay grade. Yeah. He combined the dressing rooms. I go, why would you think that was a good idea? He was trying to like make himself a star. Like, guess what I did? I was like, I was like, I saved y'all oh, two dollars. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> then they moved me to the, I was I, the rest of the film. I was in the referees locker room, which was great. But I was just like, um, I was like, yeah, why I would forgot because the, the arena was so big, like people could just pick rooms out for like dressing rooms and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because we yeah. didn't have trailers. Yeah, we had like we had suites. Yeah, <laughs> visiting Better locker rooms. Huh? Better than a trailer. Oh, the dang owner suites were great. Yeah. With the, the, you know, you're looking at the Winnipeg Jets arena. And then I loved it when we were shooting like the fourth floor. Be like, yeah, this is your suite. I'd always make believe like I'm just balling out of control. Like, yeah, yeah. I got a suite. Uh, yeah, there's Winnipeg. nothing here. Yeah, this this. I got this, this whole thing. I, I thought what was cool was that they let us just like, and you could run around in there. You can go wherever you want. Like, like they gave you a cart, you know, you can drive that thing around. Yeah. So it was, I, to me, I, I, I like, I was telling you off camera, um, we were we had scouted where the Winnipeg football team plays, mm. uh, and they let us go look at that arena, which is a football stadium. I don't know how that was going to work out using a football stadium. For, that wasn't going to work. That wasn't going to work. That but, was some Canadian shit. Yeah, they didn't Canadian realize shit. it. But they <laughs> but they let us go down on the field and run around with the football and all that. So I don't know how that was going to work in another version of this movie. But for them to give us this big sports arena where, like, you know, this is where, like, Justin Bieber comes when he's in town to perform, yeah. right? Like, this is their big Madison Square Gardens place. And just to have it on lock for a month, we, you know, mm. I, know you, I know that place by heart for no reason. Yeah, because you know, there was all those pictures of all the concerts that have come through there. Not to mention... The UFC had one of their um, they had one of their UFC events there. WWE had been there. I mean, it was a it was a legit just big ass arena. Yeah, they had that. a monster truck show in the middle of the shoot. In the middle of our shoot, so they had to break down our shoot and set up for the monster truck show. And they gave us tickets to the monster truck show. And I took my son, my my son and daughter, flew in for a couple days. And man, I was live. I'd never been to a monster truck show. Yeah. Now I know why rednecks get into it. I was yeah. like, yeah, this is, <laughs> run some shit over. It was, it was, <laughs> I you, had lost a blast. Your, you lost your blackness. Oh, yeah. For, I like, yeah, I had a blast. I was like, give me some Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> Smash shit. Yeah, it was great. Didn't wear your Howard alumni shirt to that. Nah, I didn't. Nah, I didn't. <laughs> At least I don't think I, I don't did, you go to, Nezitree, did you go to college with Michael's wife, Jillian? Gillian? I keep calling her Jillian. Yeah. Why? Gillian. Yeah, yeah. Matter of fact, Gillian is a year younger than me. 
uh, Marlon Waynes and I shared the same floor dorm. So we were fresh, we came in freshman year together. Uh, that's how he and I got tight. So Marlon Waynes was there. He didn't tell anybody he was a Waynes brother. We were just hanging out. That's how my daughter is right now. Yeah, she, she I, I just called her out, but she's at A&T. Nobody and she, knows. And she yeah, just she's like, like, Dad, she didn't want me to come to freshman, uh, move her in. She didn't want that. She wanted that. I was like this. I understand, but uh, I'm moving you into college. I'm not going to get that back. That's, 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 that's a me that's moment. That's dad. Yeah, that's right. that shit, I'm yeah. like, I'm sorry you don't want me there, but I'm right. moving you in. Sorry I'm famous, baby. Then I put all her shit together. Her bunk bed, her freaking dresser. And sh- I mean, they're like cussing. They're what like, the fuck? Shit! <laughs> Gary Owens is in there putting that Kia together. He's, he's wilding out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I, so my freshman year, me and Marlon got tight. Uh, I didn't know. Like I said I didn't know he was Wayne's till one day. I came to his room and he was on the phone and he was like, "I want to come be on the show." You know, I'm tired of this shit here. He was saying something and and he said, "Keenan, I mean, I just." Uh, why do I have to go to college? I'm thinking Keenan. And then he said something about Damon, and I'm like, oh, shit. He's talking about some Wayne's brothers. Something. And Living Color was hot as And you couldn't tell by looking at him? Yeah, I couldn't tell. I mean, who? who the, he was a lot skinnier. Yeah. Martin was the, I mean, he's skinny now, but he was the skinniest of the skinny of the Wayans. Yeah, and, he, you know, it, it, and Living Color was super hot right then. Yeah. So you're not thinking, nah, this guy's, you know, really Anyway, um, so that's how he and I got tight. Puffy was still there. He was throwing parties. Was Tupac? What year was this? This is 90, early 90s. So, so I like, was in D.C. at that time. I was in the Honor Guard. I was in the Navy. What I year used, was that? Uh, 92 to 94. Yeah, we were there. Because that, yeah. was, um, that was, uh, I used to hang out at McDonald's right yeah, by uh, our campus. Oh, that, Avenue? All the black girls would come in there. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, I ate so many chicken nuggets slow as fuck. Oh, yeah. That was the spot. <laughs> Look, when I say I don't a six-piece nugget, and it would last 90 minutes. Oh, I'd yeah. I'm breaking that dip a little bit. Let me tell you something. That whole area was popping. You had up against the wall across the street, so if you need to get some Jabot jeans or... Mm. And when I first got there, I was from Denver, so I was trying to, like, fit in to the East Coast culture and, like... You know, that's when everybody was wearing everything baggy. And cross colors. Cross colors. And I went to up against the wall to get me some Jabos, because that's when Jabos was Yeah. High. And I went in and bought some, and I, I got back to the dorm. I put my Jabos on, and I went down the hallway. And people were, like, looking and pointing and laughing. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? I'm like, they're like, your Jabos is too tight. Like, my Jabos was supposed to be baggy. <laughs> But I was from Denver, so I got them to fit just Tight. right. <laughs> like Wranglers. Yeah, like, Wrang- <laughs> like, right, like red tag Levi's, right? Yeah. Like they just perfectly fit. And Marlon was like, I can see your nuts. Like you're not yeah. supposed to see that <laughs> in Jabos. In Denver. Yeah, well, in Denver. No, we let our nuts get tight in Denver, yeah, baby. Yeah, so I like, I didn't wear those Jabos anymore. I, I, I didn't know you were supposed to buy the clothes two sizes too big. Because, you know, that was when everything was baggy. Yeah. So you bought it, you bought it baggy. But did it, you know, um, did you ever go to a nightclub called The Dome? Yeah, nightclub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dome was like, it was the, underneath the ground. The yeah. Dome. Yeah, I remember The Dome. It was, called the, the it, was it was in downtown, mm-hmm. I believe. It was in Northwest, but it was downtown. Yeah. Anthony was there, Anderson. He was two years older than me. Taraji was there. The, the All at Howard. Years. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, you guys are at Howard, and I'm in the Navy at the Washington Navy Yard. You right down the street. And we probably, I'm, we probably, I probably saw you guys at that McDonald's. You could have came and hung out. Oh, I did. You just probably didn't know. <laughs> hey, I've been in the female dorms at Howard. There, well, look, <laughs> there was always a couple of white guys around, and you just go, man, eh, you know, it's like being the only black guy at a white school. You're like, yeah, there's a few of those. You know what I always did to, to, to I always spoke, like just to make it not as awkward. Right. So if I ever went into. Uh, Howard or I had I had nights at Maryland Eastern Shore. Okay. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm like, I'd always be like, make my presence felt to make it unawkward. Hey, what's up, guys? What's up? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, keep it moving, but I always spoke first. There'd be four brothers coming home. What's up, guys? Yeah. <laughs> They'd be like, yes. the what's up, man? Like, yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. like, what's up? Maybe that's what this country needs. More white people to see black guys and speak. Yeah. Instead of going the other way. Yeah. There's but- not one instance. That I was at in a Howard hallway or a Maryland Eastern Shore hallway that 
I spoke and it wasn't spoken back to. Just like, what's up? It was never like, what are you doing here? Yeah, what's up, guys? When, what's up? When you speak first, it fucks us up because you're like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah. yeah he, he's cool. <laughs> he's cool. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I mean, that, that probably got you, like, access to more shit than you should have had access to. Just Well, just I remember speaking. Puffy doing the parties, and I never went to any, but I remember he was the first guy I see that had the... The the um they look like picket signs, but they were pumping the parties like yeah. guys with the signs of party. I was like, this what is going on here? He paid people to do that, man. Yeah, he he, dude, look, Howard was popping like popping. I would walk down campus literally, and I saw Wesley Snipes and R. Kelly just chilling. They were hanging out like on the middle of the yard, and I was thinking, well, that was a little old for R. Kelly. Yeah, well, well, yeah, well. <laughs> How old are you, baby girl? 21. Come, come to find out, you know, he had stayed in this place called the Towers, which is th these new apartments at the time that Howard had built. He had been up in there for a week. Like, R. Kelly left it? Nah, he's still up in there. So, but you would see, like, you'd, you'd walk down campus and you'd see, like, Brand Nubian or something like these 90s groups or mm. Q-Tip would be hanging out or, you know, you walk down and see Special Ed or, like, the motherfuckers that just came to Howard to hang out. Um, so it was, it was, it was cool, man. It was a great experience. Changed my life. I always said two best things I did in my life, go to Howard, move to LA. You were really pushing for my daughter to go to Howard. I was. I and still am. It's well, not too late. Well, she's, she's enjoying A&T, but I'll tell you the, what really happened was, um, two things happened. We were scheduled to get a tour of Howard. It, she kind of knew she would. She was going to tour a bunch of colleges, but she kind of knew it was going to be HBCU. Right, you were telling and me. And we kind of knew, and I kind of knew by travel as much as I do. I said it's going to come down to Howard and A and T without question. Just knowing her personality, I had a tour set up for you. Oh, the guy called me. The one of the guys. That I had Tammy McCants, who's head of admissions, ready to meet you. Well, I two, had you hooked up. Bro. Two things happened. Let me see what happened. Okay. One, no fault of anybody's. She was taking a college course while she was in high school. And now that she's done with that course, the teacher, and I'm putting it politely, mm -hmm. was a bitch. Mm. Like said, no, you are, if you miss this exam, it's like 30% of your grade. Mm. And would not let, and my daughter literally said, I, can I take it early mm -hmm. or take it late? Just this, whatever Wednesday. She goes, no. You have to be here that day to take the test that day. I was like, did this. she say I, it's, I'm going on a college? Yes, she tour did. At Howard, bitch. Oh, the teacher's response was they'll reschedule. Mm. I was like this. Mm. So my daughter was so conscious of. Uh, she's like she wants to get straight A's. Mm -hmm. So you know, you're like she could not get out of it. So that's why we had to cancel the first time we okay. were getting the tour. And I think I gave the guy an excuse, but I didn't want to. I like I told my daughter, I said. I'm not going to make a big fuss about the professor until you're done with the class and mm -hmm. you get the A. Right now, we just have, she's kind of, she's in control right now. And that's her thing is being in control. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, was this is kind of interesting. This was a, she was, my daughter was taking a class at a community college mm -hmm. while she was in high school because she was like, I can get some college credits done while I'm in high school. And look at hindsight, she's like, I wish I'd never have taken that class, but well, I don't want to count against the GPA. And she's like a perfectionist. Sounds like that professor was kind of hating too. Oh, like, completely. It like, was ridiculous. Oh, you, you, you're not going to tour Howard where I wish I was teaching at right now. You well, no, nah, this is, a, I'm sure it was a white <laughs> professor. This is in California. This is in Northern California. Oh, well then it's, you're not going to tour that famous black college. No. How not about, on my how about she's just a bitch? Well, how I'm, about you're just a power control? And I, I hate to call woman, women a bitch, but that was, that was some bitch shit. That was that 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 was some that was a bitch move. Hold on, you got a you got a you got a, a student who is like, look, I really want to tour this college, and this is the day they're giving me the tour. She's not trying to get out of the exam at all. Right. My daughter's saying, can I take it early? Right. Can I take it online? Can I take it late? Whatever you need me to do, just this particular it was a Wednesday. I have a tour scheduled at Howard. Right. We're flying across the country to take the tour. Okay. And then we couldn't get it done because that teacher wouldn't let her. Yeah. The and that second, teacher actually made me look bad. So fuck her. My too. fault. Uh, that's fine. Sorry about that. Sorry. That's why we didn't get the first tour. Right. Now, as we were getting ready to do another tour, I did, I was still talking to the guy. I, I and and shout out to Howard. They 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 were gonna roll out the red carpet for her and us. Uh, she toured A and T, 
And I said, when we get done with A&T, we'll reschedule Howard. She toured A&T and said, I'm good. You I want to go here. I, I saw uh, you posted on Instagram. You, you, had a, you had this post and you were like, you were there. And it At was A&T? So, yeah. And you had said something like, she loves it or something. And I was like, fuck these motherfuckers. <laughs> send her ass to A&T then. Shit, I tried. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But that I was, was what it was. Right, right, right. I felt some kind of way when I saw that post. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's all right. I literally, she was like, Dad. And here's the thing. We get the A&T, and the, she doesn't want me walking with her, first of all, because she's like, I don't want people to be like Gary Owen type mm-hmm. deal. Mm-hmm. I'm walking like 200 feet in front of her, and then uh, the first girl her and my wife stopped to speak to, to ask directions to some hall, not done not. 20 minutes later, they're still talking to the girl. Mm-hmm. Then the girl says, take down my number. I'm a freshman here. So if you decide to go here, you know, just call me mm-hmm. if you get here. I was like, that's the first girl she met. Mm-hmm. Was talking to her for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. telling her. And it was just like the and tour they, they gave were, us was great. Were they from same area? Or just or like No, this is a random girl we saw walking that her and my and wife was like, do you know spot. how to get to... You know, the student center. Mm-hmm. And the girl just blah, 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 started breaking down all kinds of stuff about the university. And that there's 20 minutes. And then, I mean, honestly, that's, I don't have anything compared to, but that that is how I thought a college visit should go. Mm-hmm. Everything they did. So my daughter's like, ah, I'm good. She she didn't just cancel Howard. She canceled all the other college visits she had. Look. I, she was I, like, I, I want to go here. I'm a firm believer that no matter what, you go to Howard. No, I'm kidding. I'm a firm <laughs> I'm a firm believer that you go where your heart tells you. It's like when you go yeah. buy that house. You know, you, yeah. this is our house. You know, you go look at other houses. This ain't the house, right? So, you know, the biggest hump is getting your kids to college. I mean, that's just, yeah. that's a miracle in itself. Um, the second miracle is getting them into Howard. But the third miracle. <laughs> Not Harvard. No. Howard. Howard uh, is is just getting them somewhere that's good that they like. So, you know, it's uh, still HBCU. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for you. Yeah, I spoke it into existence though. I said it on one of my specials like seven years ago. I said there ain't a doubt my daughters go to HBCU. She is black woman. Hear me roar. Yeah, and you and you did, um, I think, give me the heads up like about A and T. I didn't just see that post. I mean, I did. That made it official, but oh yeah, did, I think we were texting. We I were said A and T or Howard. I said, I'm telling you, man, it's yeah. gonna be one or the other. Yeah, it's gonna be one or the other. Yeah, and I was like, well, you better choose wisely, motherfucker. But I mean, you know, you maybe did. grad school. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I just I'm always shocked at all the people that I've worked with that was at Howard when I was in the Navy that are super successful. Dude, I might. Here's the thing. I might have hit on Taraji at you the McDonald's. Did. You probably <laughs> did. You probably did. I mean. What's crazy is, you know, the legacy of people that have gone, and I, I've just name-dropped a few because they were there at the same time I was. But well, like, Speaking of this, did you ever meet Chadwick Boseman? I did meet Chadwick. Now, Howard, Ch- alumni. Exactly. Let's just show, show him some love. That was interesting because Chadwick and I have mutual friends. He's two years behind me. Uh, but, like, I would hear stories about just things, you know, uh, from him and fine arts and just the 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 the, the acting uh, abilities that he had and the love he had for the craft then, and this is before he became Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Like we were we were paying attention to Chadwick when he um, got forty two because we were like, oh, that's do you know that cat went to Howard? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I remember that cat. Um, and then when he got uh, get on up, we we're like, yo, that's that kid from Howard telling you he was about to blow up. So when the Black Panther came, it was like, yo, come on, bro. This is right. Howard all day. Like, you know, that we were really taking that uh, personally into heart. So, yeah, it's crazy, man, because there are just so many talented people who have been through that school. And, you know, for me, when I came out here, um, I got a job in a mailroom at a movie studio. I was literally, it was called Savoy Pictures. They made like Tales from the Hood. They made Thin Line Between Love and Hate, Martin's movie. Um, they made some other like really bad white movies like Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. And it, not to put race into it, but it's I fine. did. I did. I was in a couple of bad white movies. Yeah. Well, just one. And, and so I'm at this movie studio 
And I'm seeing this business uh, of how they make movies by scripts. And I saw them, uh, the script came in, because my job in the mailroom was to photocopy all the scripts, put them together, make sure no pages were missing, and, and hand them out to execs. And the script came in one day from Bobby Brown, my prerogative, Bobby Brown. And I don't remember what it was called, but I took it home, because if, if anything came through the mailroom for me, that meant read it. I photocopied it, took it home. Don't know what the script was about. It had like burn marks on page 10, like he had smoked a cigarette and put it out on the script. It, it, I don't know what, it, shit was misspelled. I was like, so I called my buddy. <laughs> shit was misspelled. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was crazy. And so the crazy part was Savoy bought the script for $100,000. They, they paid 100 Gs for Bobby Brown's script. I called my boy from Howard. Ken Rance, who was working at CBS at the time, he was in this like, he was in the mailroom basically, he's in this junior exec program. I said, bro, we gotta write a script. Cause they just paid Bobby Brown a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, that's crazy. And there's burn marks on this script. I mean, like literally he put a blunt out on or something. Anyway, so we wrote a script. Uh, he and I got together, we came up with some ideas. We wrote this script called Scary Dates, which was just like a collective of like it was kind of like our version of Boomerang meets Tales from the Crypt, like these scary dates we'd went on when we were at Howard. And we got it to a manager. His name was Topper Carew. And Topper Carew, yes. yeah. And Topper went to Howard. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's older, but like he was there like when Felicia Rashad and Debbie Allen yeah. were there. And Topper was Martin's manager and Robin Harris and uh, a couple other people. And he read the script. He, we got together for lunch. He's like, I want to manage you guys. I think I can sell this to a studio. And he got us this brother, Walter Morgan, who was, a, who was like the only black agent that, in town at that time, um, who had like Beverly Johnson and, and uh, some little person uh, that was like his client. And he sold our script to Fox, 20th Century Fox. So my, my whole point in that, that story is that it was, you know, I got into the game because I went to Howard. Wow. Um, because I, my first writing partner went to Howard, my first manager was Topper, uh, and that led on a whole career of me being able to sell scripts and eventually uh, get some stuff made and, and be able to work with great people like RZA and John Singleton and all wow. these guys that I've gotten to meet. They've all been like, damn, I wish I would have went to Howard. And hmm. I, I said, yeah, I said that to Gary Owen. I, said, you know, you I got a free me. breakfast at Cracker Barrel by a girl I went to high school with. I never, never got it manager career now okay i asked this but of did you all give my her a guests. script that you huh? wrote no <laughs> no i gotta write a script and you gotta that put some help. burn marks in that script. yeah i just i'd be making shit up i can't write a script you just gotta give me like the parameters of the show or movie and i'll just wing it you know what i did i read so many scripts that it just kind of gotten it got embedded like okay i see certain things here that are similar uh, but the Bobby Brown thing was just like, come on, really? Right. A hundred thousand? Man, I'm about to do this. And, uh, and sometimes you just need that inspiration, that ridiculous inspiration. So I always ask all my guests, uh, so you being a director, they say Dallas Jackson, here's the money, blah, blah, blah. One actor that you haven't worked with, mm -hmm. if you your dream actor to work with, who would it be? If they say Alive? Dallas, you, you pick... Alive. You have pick to. the star. This is like tomorrow. Somebody calls and like, you, this is your movie. Who do you want to star in it? Will Smith. Wow. Yeah. It's funny. I asked my, I, I tell everybody what I want to happen on this podcast is a couple of years from now, people be like, you got to go on Gary's podcast. That shit comes to life. Mm. And uh, I asked Kevin. Will, Will Smith, Grant, Will Smith, Will Smith. No, sorry. I asked, well, I asked, <laughs> it's funny because I asked Kevin Hart and he said Will Smith and now they're doing Plane, Trains, and Automobiles together. Oh. Automobiles. I don't want to take the credit for it, but yeah. I'm just saying, he was the first one to put out in the universe on my podcast. Joseph Sikora came on. He named off a couple of people. He goes, I'd love to work with Deion Taylor again. They just did a movie last month together. I'm like this, dude. So I'm just saying. I'm putting it out there. Uh, I also, I'm also a huge Denzel fan. So I could work with Will Smith or Denzel. I'm letting the universe hear it. Yeah. If you ask me, I would probably want to work with Will Smith because I'd probably be fucking nervous working with Denzel because I go, I better not fuck this line up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Will would probably laugh it off. Your biggest fear would be Denzel looking at you going, huh. Yeah. Clearly, you know somebody. <laughs> well, you know what's Nepotism. funny is 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 
Denzel will probably just like chop you in the throat, like training day, like get the fuck out of here with that shit. Better know your fucking lines. Yeah, exactly. And 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 you know what? If you were doing a movie with Denzel, you would know your fucking lines. Hold up. You wouldn't I be would, coming I to would, like you did my I set. Would know. Like, <laughs> let me if learn my shit right now. You would you, you have your shit ready. I'd be like, yo, the script said it was 5:03 a.m. The sun doesn't set. At that time, so we got to get this right. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, be over logical, like yeah. There's no that, doubt. Yeah, there's. No, I would, I would have somebody in my hotel room running lines with me constantly. While I'm asleep, they would be reading me the lines. Like, just read the script as I sleep. You know. <laughs> so it's so subliminal. I think, like, for me, Will Will is just such like a big pop cultural icon. He's such a nice guy. He's a nice, he's super nice guy. I met him at Tyrese's house, and we were this. This is the funniest shit. I'm le- the, Tyrese has a birthday party. It was a Frozen birthday party, so everybody's like dressed up, you know, Frozen stuff. And um, we're leaving, and and Will's there with um, his daughter, daughter, Willow. Willow, Willow's little. This is some years ago. I'm walking out with my two kids. He's in front of me. I said, and I'm I'm a little nervous, but I was like, hey. Uh, I used to work with John Davis, and John Davis did iRobot with him. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I, I worked with John Davis. He was like, oh, man, yeah. Yo, we did iRobot. That was a lot of fun. I was like, yeah, man. And I was like, I'm just a huge fan. He's like, oh, thank you, brother. So we go out, and I'm going to my uh, Jeep Commander, which I still have now, and Will goes over with Willow and gets into this uh, smart car, like the little two-seater. I thought you were going to say a spaceship. It looked like a spaceship, but it was it was when the smart car just came out. So it looked like a little clown car. Uh-huh. And I go, really? And he goes, hey, it's how the rich stay rich. <laughs> Me and my wife <laughs> fell out. It was like some straight up Will Smith shit. Yeah. And he gets in, puts Willow in, he gets in, does a U-turn on Tyresha Street and goes, hang, hang, and pulls off. <laughs> how the rich stay rich. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. It was so it was funny. But- but like I was expecting him to come out and like bodyguard usher him to the car and you know then driver drives off. No, he got in the front seat. Every every interaction, growing. probably run into Will ten times in my life. You know, mm-hmm. but every time I'm with two things, never got a picture with him. Never was a situation where I I didn't want to ruin like a fan yeah. shit. Yeah, but you want the you want the pictures just almost for your own. Person who's like to look back at it, mm-hmm. but uh, first time I met him, he was shooting Wild Wild West, and we had a mutual friend that brought me to set one day, mm-hmm. and he had a Bentley. I'd never seen a Bentley before. I didn't know what a Bentley was. This is mm. like '98. Mm. I was like, "What is this cool looking car with a B on it?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. What I was is like, this Rolls Royce? What is this car with a B? Right. <laughs> and then after that, is that a Rolls? I started seeing Bentley. Bentley? That was the first Bentley I'd ever seen in my life. I was mm. like, what is this car? A B on it. What's with the B? I, I didn't know. I didn't know. But You got um, to be a certain uh, income level to even, at that time, know what a Bentley was. So obviously, we weren't there yet. I had no clue. I'm still no not clue. there yet. I had no clue. Well, but he's, he, he, I think he probably shedded all that because when I saw him, that's what I expected. I expected. Well, 98, you, he's what, 28 then? 29? Yeah. What yes. else are you going to spend your money on? Yeah. He did, and Jada was pregnant. With Jaden. At that time. Yeah. Okay. So. And they were like, we're balling out of control. He's still you know, balling out of control. Yeah, but. he's such a, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. If you're going to ask me, I, people I'd want to work with would probably be, will be at the top of the list. Probably. Well, I was going to, I'd say he's such a big like pop culture icon, but like to me, my favorite Will Smith movie is Pursuit of Happiness. Like just the, just where he goes in that movie. Oh man, that still gets me. And, and one of the best lines is like, "You better have a really nice pair of pants." Or, exactly, like anyway. all the little heartfelt moments. Like he should have won every Oscar for that movie. That yeah, was a good. He movie. was really good in that. Like, yeah, I lo- I like Men in Black, Will Smith, and all that. But like, Pursuit of Happiness for me, I'm like, yo, how about that? That's the that cat is really slept on. How about every Will Smith movie? He breaks into a full sprint at some point. He runs in every every movie? single one. A okay, full I'm sprint a, at some point. I'm a, I'm a, he busts out every movie. I'm, I'm like this, dude. To. Every movie Will Smith bust out to a full-on sprint for some reason. You should you should make a uh, little a montage cut up of, of all the, yeah yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I never real. realized that. Yeah. But he does run in pursuit of happiness. He's he's trying. No, he just got out of movie. jail. He's trying to no, go get every the, movie. Get the Think about all the movies. He just busts out into a sprint at some point. Yeah, I'm gonna. Bad boys, of course. Of course. Um, 
Uh, Beginning of the minute in black, when you first meet him, he's running full sprint. Seven pounds. He's running in the rain. Full, full sprint. Uh, I am legend. Full sprint. He busts out a full sprint in every movie. You should. You should. Montage of Will Smith sprinting. And then tag him, and he'll definitely respond. Yeah, yeah. I, I am legend is another one, too. Because he goes full Will Smith gamut in that movie. He goes dramatic Will. He's funny Will. He's heartfelt Will. He's that whole, oh, yeah, yeah, Will. Well, he only, does all that shit. There's only a handful of actors like Tom Hanks and Castaway that the whole movie is just them. Yeah. Just them. Just them. That means the call sheet is one, Will Smith. The call sheet is one, the dog Tom Hanks. Is like two. That's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, uh, that's I, you know what? You've made me realize two things. There was just him in that movie, except for like the flashback stuff. But I, I, I kind of get lost on that. And he runs full sprint in every movie. Yeah. Watch, watch the next one. All right. He's still my top pick. <laughs> yeah. I'm not mad at you. That's a great pick. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. That, uh, full it. disclaimer, Dallas waited an hour to record this because that's it. things ran long. You said I was going to get my hour made up. No, I'm then, telling you, it was, it was an was hour extra late. extra more time. Listen, I want, I'm bringing back and do another movie. That's the thing. I don't want to burn them out first time they see you. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe next time you come, my daughter have transferred. <laughs> yeah. Not Is she that. at Howard? Georgetown. Same yeah, city. Yeah, I'm like, what the fuck? getting f- closer. Bro, <laughs> come on. All right, man. I appreciate you coming no, on, Dallas. Wait, 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 wait. Welcome to Sudden Death is out now. On Netflix. On out Netflix. Now. And it's uh, for sale if you want to buy it. It's also on other digital platforms. And it's starring this very talented, semi good looking man and, and Michael, Michael Jai White. White. Yes, Who's, sir. Who is very good looking. I saw him earlier and was like, mm, you got your hair done. He's 65 years old. He's 65 years like old it. and will whoop your ass. Yep. So, All right, man. Welcome to Sudden you. Death Thank on you for Netflix me, right man. now. Had a good time. Appreciate it.